listener production. Is your child terrified of spiders? Do they refuse to sleep without a light on? A phobia is excessive anxiety or fear in response to a specific situation or objects that is more than what we might expect given the child's developmental level. Today on Feed, Play, Love, how we can help children manage their phobias. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. Spiders, the dark, that thing under the bed, needles, loud noises, you name it, there are a lot of things our kids might have a phobia of. As a parent, watching this distress can be difficult, but there are ways we can help children cope. Dr. Fran Doyle is a clinical psychologist and researcher at Western Sydney University, focused on improving child and family well-being. Hi, Fran. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me today. It's a pleasure. What is the difference between a phobia and a fear? That's a really good question. Typically with a phobia, we see an intense amount of fear or anxiety in response to a specific situation or object, and it happens every single time. Fears might come and go. They might, you know, be here once or twice and then be something that kind of moves on. A phobia would be lasting for at least six months and we would be seeing that intense fear response every single time that situation is encountered or that object is seen. And how do phobias first manifest in children? I mean, do they come out of the blue or does it take some time to build up? It can be either. We can see that they start to observe the things that other people are doing around them. And that could be that they start to realise that actually maybe I should be being more wary about that thing or that spider or, um, you know, maybe needles or whatever it is. And they look at those observations um, that they're seeing of other people and how they're responding or how other people are talking about these things. And they might start to develop an idea in their minds that actually they should also be scared of these things. Or sometimes it is that they have an experience that that isn't a good one for them. And after that, they start to feel like they should fear that particular situation or that particular thing. Is there a typical age where children might start to have phobias? Like, is it more common that they might happen in primary school age kids or can younger kids have phobias? Younger kids can have phobias. We tend to find that phobias are one of the first um, anxiety disorders that do sort of pop up, but we also find that the prevalence is actually higher in, in adolescence than in childhood. So we often find that it's starting to pop up for a lot of kids early in life and it will stick around if we kind of don't help them manage it, but they might continue to have, you know, kids might have more and more phobias pop up over time. I know that there are probably as many different kinds of phobias as there are objects in the world, but I'm wondering if there are ones that are more common for children. I mean, I'm thinking of something like needles. Are are there common ones that children have that phobia around? 
Yeah, absolutely. There's some groups um, of phobias that kind of help us to understand the kinds of things people commonly find, you know, scary. So that might be groups like animals. Um, so that might be things like spiders or insects or dogs um, are really common ones as well. There's also another group we call sort of the natural environment. So that might be things like heights um, or storms or some people are afraid of water. We can have situational phobias, so things like going on aeroplanes, being in elevators, um, being in enclosed places. We can also have sort of blood injection and injury sort of phobias. So these are the things like what you just said there, the needles, the medical procedures, fears of the dentist, fears of blood um, or fears of injuries. And then there's another group that sort of, you know, other things, and that might include things like being, you know, really scared about clowns, um, costume characters is another one, or even things like being really, really scared of vomit. Now, no one likes vomiting, but some kids are really scared of it um, or the thought that it might happen. So that would be one of those other ones that sort of sits in that other category for us. Most of those phobias that you listed there, I can see as being quite obstructive to living in many ways, sometimes uh, in more precarious situations than others. For example, if they needed to have a needle for something because they were unwell or um, you needed to get into a lift to be at a meeting or something like that. Um, so how can we help our child manage a phobia in the moment that they're experiencing it? Yeah, that's a great question. So we often do find with phobias that they are actually impacting the child's life um, or the family's life because sometimes families are really good at avoiding these things for their children, like not going with lifts instead, going up the stairs and things like that. But the, essentially what we need to start doing is finding a way to help manage that that anxiety that's popping up so finding ways to help that child regulate in that moment we'd be thinking about trying to help that child manage that big feeling that big anxiety that's taking over them and so in that moment we'd be helping them to try and regulate that fear if we're able to sort of plan ahead and start to address this a bit more proactively what we'd be trying to do is start to think about using what we call more of a step ladder approach where we start to think of the things that are at the bottom of the ladder that are a little bit scary for the for the child in this instance and then thinking of things that are say a medium level of scariness there and the things that are sort of most scary so let me give you an example here so imagine if we had a child who was afraid of spiders and that they were saying no I no longer want to go into the backyard um, because there might be spiders there or I don't want to go to the park because there might be spiders there. This could be one of those instances that you're talking about where it's really impacting on the child's life um, as well as the family's life. And so it could really be getting in the way for them because we're seeing that avoidance coming up. Now in that sort of instance, what we could start to do is use a stepladder approach. With the stepladder approach, we could think about, okay, so how could I start having a low level of exposure to the idea of spiders. And so we could actually get like pictures of spiders and we could get, say, cartoon pictures of spiders could be the bottom step of the stepladder. And we could start working with the child to be able to look at those pictures and sort of manage their distress as they're looking at those pictures. And it would allow them to have the opportunity to actually learn 
about whether it is that it really is as scary as they thought. Possibly it's not as scary as they thought. It would allow them to learn that actually I can cope when I see these these pictures and I feel that wave of anxiety coming up in my body. Um, And so giving them a chance to do that would be sort of the the bottom step of the step ladder. And then we might look at actually going and doing that a number of times until they feel like they can manage it. The next step might be thinking about having more realistic photos that you look at on the the iPad, for example, Um, or it could be looking at YouTube clips of spiders. You know, eventually we might be able to work up to a point on on the stepladder where we can go back into the backyard again or go to the zoo and look at spiders in real life or things like that. So that would be where we'd be having as our goal and where we'd be trying to work towards. How do you determine if you've pushed hard enough? Every single time a child has to do one of these things that they find scary, they're not necessarily going to want to do it. So usually what we have to do when we're thinking as parents and carers is that we have to think about how can I motivate my child to want to get through this and to want to have a bit of a learning experience about whether they truly can manage this. And so what we can think about is how to encourage bravery and often the way we need to do this is through rewards. So sometimes we need to be able to push for them to have chances to be able to look at how they could manage some of these things that they're scared of and giving them a chance to do that. And usually we have to help kids be motivated to do that through giving them rewards. So we might tell them up front, like, you know, if it is that you can sit with me and look at pictures of a spider on the iPad with me as we flick through a few of those pictures, if we can make it through 10 pictures and we can sit here and we can help you through that, um, then after that, what we're going to do is we're going to be able to go downstairs and play your favourite game. We're going to be able to play with the trucks on the floor, um, which is your favourite thing to do after that. So it's thinking about how we can kind of build in that motivation for the child and help them then have the opportunity to do that learning, to realise that they're actually okay after they've been around those things that they might have found scary. What about the phobias that you can't really use exposure therapy for? Um, You used the example earlier of vomiting. I can't really imagine there's a way that you could use exposure therapy in that instance. What would you do there? Well, actually, we'd get really creative and we would probably um, end up making a bit of a mix of stuff in the kitchen that might look a bit like vomit. (laughs) And we might add things into it like vinegar that makes it smell a bit like vomit. Um, And so then we can have the chance to be able to use, I guess, a bit of a concoction um, as one example (laughs) and one way to be able to kind of manage that. So it would be a similar sort of idea, but we wouldn't be bringing up that vomit in the moment. We would be thinking about actually, um, you know, creating that. We also might be doing things like noticing if there's times when the child is avoiding something because they're afraid of vomiting. Say if they don't want to go on the swing at the park because they think that movement will mean that they're more likely to vomit, then what we might do is thinking about starting to approach that with a stepladder as well you know would it be being able to be be near a swing or touch the swing or even just sit on the swing without it moving and kind of 
once again, building those opportunities for bravery and building those opportunities for learning um, and using those as times to be able to kind of help our child have opportunities to learn that they're actually okay and they didn't have that sensation of needing to vomit. So we think about doing it in those ways. You mentioned earlier that parents can get really good at avoiding the thing that the child is afraid of. For example, walking upstairs instead of going up a lift. And I actually have done that <laughs> before with my, <laughs> my child when, when he was very small, just went through a weird phase of refusing to get in the lift. So we did do a lot of walking of stairs. Um, what can happen when, as a parent, you actually support avoiding that phobia? It's such a tough one for parents because you can understand why it is that we want to support our kids and we don't want them to, to feel these big emotions of, of the fear. Um, but if it is that we keep avoiding these things, then every single time we avoid it, a kid's learning that it probably was scary. They didn't get an opportunity to actually find out, was it scary or wasn't it scary? Was it something I could cope with? Or wasn't it something I could cope with? And so actually they learned that it, it definitely probably was scary and it definitely wouldn't have been something I could cope with. So that's why I went and didn't do that thing. So it makes it really hard because it looks like as parents we're doing the right thing by trying to make it that our kids don't have to deal with these big emotions. But then what is actually the kindest thing we can do is sort of start to support them in approaching these things again and so starting to have opportunities to okay think about well maybe we might go in the lift um, and what would that look like and how could we do that and considering how we can start to support them starting to face their fears again would be a really important thing but as parents we know that it's really hard to do this stuff especially if it's something that you find scary so the lifts might have been scary to you, but they might not have been. But there could be other things where, you know, perhaps as a parent, you don't like dogs. And so when you're near dogs, you do sort of start to feel fear. And then your child starts to notice that. And so then they start to feel fear. So it can be really hard for parents um, because we need to then consider how do we first regulate and help ourselves to feel okay and so that we can show our kids that we are okay and we can manage and then we can support them through that situation as well. It's a lot for parents but it's something that we have to consider whether we can do that um, and when the right times are for us to be able to do that. How do you know if your child needs additional support to help them deal with their phobia? I think the first thing would be thinking about if you feel like you are also able to support them with starting to do some of these things like do the step ladders or be brave and approach this stuff. If you're noticing that for yourself you are going to struggle to do some of these things because it's also scary for you, in those instances it might be really helpful to get some professional support to kind of help you and your child be able to start to find a way to approach it together. Also, if it is that you are thinking that actually this is really interfering with my life and my child's life, like so my life being the family's life and the child's life, in those instances, if you feel like you 
would like more support or it is actually becoming a bigger thing and it's hard for you to kind of start just doing little moments of bravery in those instances I think it's really good to be able to reach out and get additional support such as a psychologist to be able to help um, you and your child be able to manage these things. What's a reasonable timeline if a child has a phobia for them to overcome that if you are using that step laddered approach? It really depends. So we know that there's lots of cognitive behavioural therapy type approaches where in 10 sessions, so that's sort of over 10 weeks usually, that we would be able to see um, a significant change in the amount of fear experienced by the child and the amount of avoidance that's happening to happen in their life. So we can usually see for the majority of kids that that's sort of the amount of treatment. But there's also really good evidence that shows, say, for example, for some of the blood injection injury phobias, that it can actually be that treatment can be a lot less time than that and that we can actually do some of that work really quickly. So it's sort of sometimes also about how often we can practice approaching these things in our everyday life. So the more we can have moments of bravery and kind of encouraging our kids to do these things that they find scary, the easier it becomes for them to have those learning opportunities and find out that they're okay in those instances. And the more it is that they kind of find an ability to be resilient and no longer afraid of these things. Fran, thank you so much for your time today. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. That's Dr. Fran Doyle. She's a clinical psychologist and researcher at Western Sydney University. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the Listener app and don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.